Konnichiwa. It's Akwinkly Chichi. I'm so popular. Last week we discussed Drag Race and Peter Watkins' Punishment Park. We imagined a new world of fascist realization. And today we're talking about revenge and bullying. We're discussing Stephen King's legendary 1974 novel, Carrie. It's Brian De Palma adaptation from 1976 and the Japanese drama, Life. Raifu from 2007. I'm joined by two very dear special friends, my mother and my father. Who are you? I'm Jack Mason from the Perfume Nationalist. Hey. Hi. I am filthy Armenian, otherwise known as Zach's father. I, I think from, it fits. Yeah, from uh, <laughs> of, uh, of the uh, of the filthy Armenian adventures podcast. And the, we're the three mothers. We're the, we are, yes, the three mothers of the Grimmer apocalypse. The three That's mother right, the, three mothers. The, the three mother co- mother co- queers. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> so what are what are my uh, two sister mothers doing doing at this moment? What are, what are you up to? What are you doing? I'm drinking uh, martinis and spraying on some Comme de Garçon original. Um, Wait, I'm gonna go get mine really quick. I'm back into it since I was talking about it with Dan. Uh, Oh, yeah, I have to. You know, it's about time that I uh, maybe perhaps added one more scent to my collection. You know, I have to wait. You need a CDG. You need a CDG. There's so many. And, you know, any uh, of them will do. Any of them will do. uh, No, I can tell you the right one. Tell Um, me the right one. I mean, the the CDG original 1994 is the best one, but it's kind of weird. So I don't know that everybody would love it. But like, uh, they're all woody, incense, beautiful, like modern kind of minimalist things. Uh, like any of the like Wonderwood line, Black Pepper, one of those that would suit you. Like which one of the? You have a CDG. You have Avignon. You were wearing it when I met you in Chicago. Oh, that's true. That is a CDG. Yeah, you have a Crumbaker song. but you it need another my mind. one. I mean, there's yeah. I have okay. I have probably upwards of fifty Crumbaker songs, and I don't regret a single scent i've ever spent because i i drink the kool-aid with that brand always yeah well i just put my perfume on but i also have to ask armenian since it's your first time finally on the show Fuck. why do you follow me that was so that took so long i know and it, and it was hastily done how has he never <laughs> been on the show I've never been on the show after all this time. I feel like uh, we've been through uh, apocalypses, come back from apocalypses. Mm-hmm. Um, how do I know you? Well, I mean, it, it, the, the answer inevitably leads back to Jack, um, I believe, because all of a sudden, the, the memory I have is all of a sudden Jack rushes into the uh, group chat, the gay group chat, bursts in through the door, and then starts going, I love, I'm so popular so much. I, you've created, I love the world you've created. You've da, 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 da. He goes on this long performance of praise for I'm so popular. Like he really lays it down. I don't know if you were even in the fucking chat. You must have been in the chat by that point. Because why else was he, would he go? I, he, he was addressing you. You'd been added to the chat at some point. Mm-hmm. I, but, and I know, I'm sure I'd seen a you know, tweet of yours or whatever here or there. But the part that I, my introduction to you that I actually remember and will never forget is Jack bursting in 
to sing the praises of I'm So Popular, which I hadn't heard. I didn't know you had a podcast until then. There was a period between when we did the Mishima episode and uh, like first met and and when we actually talked, there was a period of like a couple months. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because I think you started listening after the dasha episode like mm-hmm. to do the whole experience and that was the first and... one I, I i listened to and then i was... fell in love with that <laughs> i feel like well, the you're... dasha episode is a great one to start with I yeah think. i started with the Dasha. when you first messaged me i was like oh my god am i getting canceled because like, <laughs> <laughs> like a tranny is like getting me in the podcast <laughs> <laughs> and then we had such a good time and i was like wow that was the best time i've ever had and then and correct me if i'm wrong but wasn't there a didn't wasn't there like a uh, conversation you guys had generally about politics that turned Zach from a lefty to a not lefty? Also, I would say it is it is very fair to say that my descent from being curious about communism and being generally dissatisfied with um, general politics was definitely lightly or heavily influenced by my... You actually read my, the Communist Manifesto, because I remember that. I did. I, I read Capital as well. And then you were like, I didn't I, retain a single yeah. thing. And then you became more right-wing. That but the is thing so is, is like, who who has given me any love? It's like, hardly the communists. And like now, you know, after a year and a half in of my little political adventure i've gone right back to square one where i think i originally started from which is as like an ayn rand objectivist um with a passion for fashion yeah um yeah, me too good luck, I'm an ayn good rand luck. i'm oh i mean i'm all the way 10th grade i told you we've talked about it many times like it she smacked me upside the head in 10th grade and i was like i like that i like the sound of that smack <laughs> like I, yeah i re- i read the fountainhead in high school because there was the Ayn Rand, the Ayn Rand Foundation does a scholarship every year for the person who writes the best essay about yeah. Fountainhead or Atlas. Shrine I remember that. Anthem. I remember that. Yeah. And I was going to write one about the Fountainhead. So I read the book, but then I just loved it because it was so sexy. Oh, like, yeah. it that's was what uh, happens. That's how they, yes. that's how they get mm-hmm. you. That, yes. That's why the things that are most likely to uh, quote unquote red pill a person being Camille Paglia and Ayn Rand, they try to keep that from you the yes. most. Right. So they gatekeep that and they say, you can't possibly like that. No, they, I mean, you, they make yeah. it a thing so that they will publicly humiliate you if you have the wrong opinion of Ayn Rand, but really Ayn Rand, if you read The Fountainhead without thinking about what you've heard, then you will automatically come away with a different perception of reality. It's psychedelic. If you just, if you just, if you just fucking encapsulate exactly the effect that reading it had on you, like don't be like that don't be what everyone else every bitter loser deadbeat does where they 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 know that they were influenced but they've immediately decided to just like classify that influence as uncool darky something to forget negative zero right like they're in they they just want to forget what that experience was if you don't forget what that experience was if you encapsulate it you'll be like holy shit, coming across this point of view vastly uh increased the limit the like my sense of what my human limits are like just like mm-hmm. the, imbued me with confidence imbued me with self-esteem imbued me with ambition to like be a fucking man to be somebody like that's what the effect of that 
does to people. Mm -hmm. It is a very positive thing, obviously. Unless, unless I, I mean, like, you tell me if I'm wrong, but like, when I think about it, and when obviously can get, you can go too far. It can go too far. You don't want to live, you don't want to become a Randian. You don't. I've, I know like that. An, like a licensed objectivist. You a licensed objectivist. <laughs> you do not want Which to become a licensed the point. objectivist. Yeah, it's totally missing the point. And that's a very minor amount. Like, yes. And you know what? Even if you did become a fucking objectivist, big deal. It's not that well, bad. Well, most of them end up like being like, you know, soulless finance. Well, that's bros. just like, so, like you shouldn't fine. join but, any you know club, what? They're not a, any they're club not, they're, that would they're have right. you as a member. No, right, like, exactly. Kind of mm -hmm. Exactly, exactly. And you know what? Even the ones who do become objectivists, which I do believe they they are limited people. Nevertheless, they are like they're not that bad, and they're on, if anything mm -hmm. else, they have more soul than any of the soulless people you think sure. of, because they're always like what Ayn Rand is is she's still an artistic, religious experience, so they're still like curious. They're in the game if they're really into Ayn Rand. They're like they have a yeah. spiritual hunger. They really do. It, they can be eighty years old. Like I know, I was just talk just talking to in my Horowitz episode. His friend was owner of the Flyers, owner of the Sixers, 76ers, a sport, like billionaire guy who's a major Ayn Rand person. Well, that's more spiritual and soulful than a lot of other billionaires. Just having that influence in you, you know, it may not be your. No, it, it truly. It but it's more than nothing, better than nothing for sure. Yeah. So, I mean, I think I always had like those uh, inclinations lying around before jack kind of reactivated them in me in my turnabout mishima episode with him mm -hmm. which is i think is uh one of the most important episodes of the show and if you haven't gone and listened to season one you're missing a lot of fascinating go back and listen to it where we are dumb totally <laughs> natural too i never listened to anything i've done but i actually did re-listen to that and you know i can like hear myself getting drunk and everything but that was totally a natural <laughs> natural progression because like you messaged me before that and I was like, who is this? I don't know who this is. That, the, and the 700 then we followers had this at the time. Yeah. time <laughs> yeah. And I was like, I had read the the joke was that I hadn't actually read any Mishima except Sun and Steel. And then I read After the Banquet and um, uh, Confessions of a Mask <laughs> for that. But. Uh, but yeah, we had this wonderful, wonderful impromptu time that was like totally natural. It was one of the most like natural like podcasting interactions I've like ever had. Oh, that, so much fun! That might be the that might be another thing. Your your you know particular talent of yours is this like like I may literally want to listen to this one again. I've never had that inclination. <laughs> no. I've never had that inclination after guesting on someone's pod, uh, and certainly I wouldn't listen to any of mine again because I've fucking already listened to them a million times before i put them out but like i'm actually really insane about this i listen to every episode that i put oh no no I, 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 I can't i can't no honestly <laughs> I, I i can imagine that listening re-listening to your zoomed episodes which again i haven't done any even on our case jack um uh like i think that there's probably you could probably learn a lot if you're able to tune down your shame at yourself well, you oh, know, i think i'm a genius the one time <laughs> right. in so editing that's what i ran did for you zach that's what i'm trying to uh -huh. say <laughs> no the the one time ever in editing tbn that i've listened to the whole thing 
was the born this way episode mm-hmm. because i was scared because i literally was blocked out and had no memory of it and i was like what yeah. if i said something really fucked up well, no, <laughs> and that's I, an ex- yeah and that's I, an exception that's and i had to drink like... to even listen to it to edit <laughs> so it's like cancels itself out but well, I, I listened to it and is, i was like part of my feeling is that bad and also uh you know, this is people like a kind of spectacle, so they do yeah. like it. I mean, yeah. I just wanted to say that, like, to kind of catch up with everything, um, you know, Jack and I have a very long storied podcasting relationship. Every single time we've spoken, despite my many uh, drunk failed attempts to call you in the middle of the night when I'm like drunk and Nicho, man, it's always when I'm entire... asleep. I know. We well, are never like, asleep. I... <laughs> I am. I'm asleep yeah, yeah. for 12 hours or something. Like, <laughs> That's your so brother's prescription up, uh, for the people that are yeah, on Twitter too much. No. Go ahead, Zach. Basically, like, uh, our entire, like, friendship is, like, recorded on air, and it's uh, led through a, a bunch of fascinating deviations, and I'm excited <laughs> to start that journey with Armenian here today. Oh, because, God. Uh, I mean, you've been such a, a dear comrade and friend in the, the cycle of the group chats, and your podcast filthy armenian adventures which is a naturalistic you know extra long extra rich um luxurious chronicle of your travels through la the rest of the world it is a very special and unique podcast that nothing sounds quite alike and i'm really riveted by your specific communication style you get people to give these wonderful very natural performances that reach these conversational highs that are just unlike anything else. I constantly think about you having dinner with Barrett. I think about your Amanda Milius episode lounging around these murals. And you are so fantastic at creating these beautiful soundscape worlds that feel so fully lived in. And uh, everyone should be listening to your show. And I'm very glad that we're finally meeting up in the I'm So Popular world. So thank you for coming on today. Zach... Your your words bring joy to my heart. Haha. <laughs> I made you feel something. Yes, you made me feel something, you fucking bastard. Yeah. Ugh. He's been all but, sad. Yeah. How did I let that happen? Nice How did I let that happen? Something. Yeah, yeah see, me... if you listen to the Sirens episode, which if you're not listening to, you're only getting half the story. You'll hear a whole narrative. Half the story. Here. The continuing yeah. story. I'd be training story, all my but... bitches to pay for that continuing story. Exactly. And all of you need to be doing it, too. If you're not paying me to, like, live my luxurious lifestyle, you're hindering the podcast. So pay up, pigs. You won't get the po- podcast anymore unless you pay for the continuing story. Five dollars. Exactly. Yeah. So today we're reflecting on the concept of revenge and bullying through two... <laughs> <laughs> any of you have listened to the Born This Way episode, you will know in particular what Jack and I have faced in the June of 2022. <laughs> we have had entire communities turn against us, accuse us of horrendous, vicious crimes, and degrade our characters on a large scale for weeks at a time. And uh, one of the secret components here is that Armenian was also present as... Um, how do they characterize you uh, as like some happy like, wandering? They made a, a meme of him as the anti-Semitic caricature, <laughs> luring me into anti-Catholic <laughs> takes. 
He so, so he literally... hit, he sissy hypnoed me with the our media a country I didn't know existed before last year. Um, you know, he sissy hypnoed me into turning against Catholicism, a religion that I don't practice. Yeah, so the three mothers um, okay, were sorry. to be slayed by the Susie Banyans and whatever the guy from Inferno is. So Don Davenport is here. eating a meatball sandwich right out in class. That's the that's the John Waters uh, porn theater protester nature of the people who have come against us. And so I think it's basically just to say that I think um, the three of us in our artistically minded, lofty, highfalutin podcast, I think we have an especially <laughs> insightful point of view on the nature of bullying and revenge. Yeah. And, I know, and especially but, how you're not allowed to talk about it. That's the thing no, where, like, when you're being bullied, you. like, just as in the show you're not allowed to talk about it because it will make the bullying worse. So, like, anytime, especially with, like, the kind of, like, uh, standard internet bullying that, like, niche internet celebrities experience, you can't talk about it or else it's, like, you whining. They use this word whining against me. Yeah. He's whining. He's whining. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, whining. of course, they're whining. And, the, and of course, they're all three weeks removed three months at most removed from from fucking freaking out at the same fucking people i know and they're like it's get offline i've to deactivate my account go private because i'm being canceled shrieking it yeah (laughs) i'm being canceled it's just like it's just like people need to fucking grow up they need to grow up they need to grow up yeah like they need to literally not be so fucking um vulnerable to flattery like just because somebody sucks your dick a little bit does not mean and he doesn't and it doesn't even involve sucking the dick we all know that no one's dicks are getting sucked we're not we're not talking about we're talking about giving throwing some likes your way they're not even like really appreciating who you are they're gassing you up with likes so based on that you're just gonna forget when they fucking completely screw someone over who's close to you what? Well, if you do, what if you don't do drama? What if you don't do drama? What if you suck do my dick? I don't do There's drama. No don't doing drama. So what if it's you don't drama. do drama? So Dra- the person who not gave drama. you gave you your shitty niche podcasting career. What if the person who gave you your shitty niche podcasting career, they're being canceled brutally for two months? It's not your obligation to stand up for them in any way or fashion because you don't do drama. You don't do drama. Yeah, it's an excuse it's to be Jack a does pussy. Drama. It's an excuse to be a <laughs> pussy. They're fucking yeah. pussy. Well, I mean, none of these people could stomach even one-tenth of what we experience on the internet. And, people... and we're still here. I have a bottle of wine yeah, and we're like, recording a show together. We're... They don't have the willpower. Sorry. Yeah, like, literally, I love talking to people who have, like, been through it, uh, as you have, Zach, because, like, you know, on the, the, like, pathway of, like, online bullying and niche internet fame or whatever, like, you realize the second some people you know get the slightest bit of negative attention, it, like, 
infects their psyche and they're like i have to cancel my show i have to stop doing everything (laughs) and it's like oh my god bitch if you dealt with literally one tenth of the shit that i have dealt with for four years oh my god yeah they get mad from what they get quote tweeted by one tranny <laughs> and they go, oh, no! And then, like one training, you lock your account. You lock your account. You deactivate. You're like, oh, I'll be back. <sighs> People are so mean. This Twitter thing is so mean. It's like, oh my god, develop some fucking like Russian like stoicism, please. Yes. So to kind of channel this um, strength that we've developed, I think Carrie <laughs> is is one of the perfect avenues there. I. Um, Carrie, the novel and the film are two of the most important influences on my life. I'm so excited I'm finally talking about it on the show. Um, long-term fans of the I'm So Popular universe will know that Carrie was the subject of my first zine where I argued it is a Pollyan depiction of femininity at its most fearful and powerful. It follows a high school outcast, uh, the child of a deeply religious mother who after discovering she has telekinetic powers following her period, uh, she goes to the prom on a date and is uh, ex- responsible for a powerful outburst of revenge after having a bucket of pig's blood poured upon her. And I just think that everything in the Carrie universe is so fucking rich and fascinating and glamorous and what I want to do with my life. But Armenian, this was your first experience in the Carrie waters. What did you think about this? Zach, I've popped my Carrie cherry. And uh, it was like, (laughs) it was clearly from the very beginning of the uh, movie, I could tell it's gonna be a great movie. You know, there's like Mm -hmm. that I didn't know, I honestly, I knew that Carrie was the Stephen King novel, and I knew that, that okay, vaguely I remembered there was a, a movie about it in the 70s. Like, I, I didn't have the knowledge that you two obviously have that it was a classic. I don't have that in my mind. I'm not a Brian De Palma literate person. I have major holes, as I was telling Jack earlier, I have major holes major in my holes, culture. You have major holes. I have major holes in my culture. They're say tight. More. They're major yeah, tight. Please, say They're more. major tight unpenetrated holes in my in my culture where it's like i <laughs> don't a person know who is only interested in other tops holes yeah, mm. yeah. <laughs> i don't see what possible oh, yeah i don't see the uh the, the uh relevance at all yeah there's um it was obvious to me so being ignorant about it as i was saying i'm ignorant about a lot of things i i'm okay but i'd like to be honest about what i'm ignorant about and it's but to me like i could tell from the beginning just by the pace just by that initial high school playground scene. Maybe it's because I was psyoped and raped into the mindset properly enough by the other show. Uh, what's it called? Real? Life? Life, sorry. Life, yeah. So <laughs> I watched it directly after finishing Life. Okay. And I've been watching Life all week, torturously. But we'll get into that later. And and then I, and wife, then life, life, wife happy life happy wife whatever uh ends and then i go into carrie i watch carrie like up to an hour before we have this soiree and i just could tell from the beginning it was gonna be a fucking great movie i don't know why uh the depiction of that fucking high school scene and the way the girls just sort of run off from their little brutal crimes you know like they'll just like commit a brutal crime and then they'll like run off away from it and like as if they can get away from what they just did you know like bullying the chick and stuff 
like whatever that little i don't remember the specifics but like i was just like okay this is gonna be, this is gonna be a great movie and sure enough it was and it's a very strange movie mm -hmm. a very strange movie Com like it's almost like it goes from one movie to a different movie back to a different like it's like three different movies but that go back and forth from each other because the little the the cute romance with the, the with the guy with the curiously beautiful tommy hit. ross tommy ross that's like its own little tommy mini ross. movie that fucking tommy whole ross. thing yeah <laughs> and then the and then the crazy mom is almost like its own movie like Piper yeah. Laurie is like her own in her own movie and then like the combination of these two things is the third movie <laughs> Yeah, I mean, this this movie is pulling on so much psychic sexuality. It's pulling on these ancient forms of gender and anxieties that oh, have yeah. manifested in the strange Foucauldians, like, high school, school space of America. And, oh, it's just so riveting to see them all chaotically beat against one another. I mean, these are all elements that shouldn't work as a, a combined piece, but totally do. I, I, but yeah, it's wild to me. I, uh... And I'll rush through this so that Jack can can, uh, can unleash upon the movie. But like, uh, um, you know, the the few thoughts I had, other than what I already said, is that like, it's it doesn't seem like if I could if I'm trying to imagine how am I pitching this movie, like a horror that like how am I describing the connection between the 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 absolute horror of puberty the prom sequence and puberty yeah, yeah. Of, of getting your period as a girl the horror of that i mean not i'm saying like horror in both the good and the bad way like if that makes sense um mm -hmm. the immensity of that experience like with boys we don't quite know when we've become pubescent some of us were horny out the fucking womb uh uh i don't don't i don't not to mention any names <laughs> not to mention any names but then not others to mention of us... any names who wanted to suck dick right out of the womb <laughs> not to yeah. mention any names um and and but uh, but then others of us are like me for example it happened all su super gradually to the point where you know i know the first day that i came and i in, it, it came to me in my sleep that there's a purpose to, to okay. that you have to come I came. I was fourteen, and like, but but like, you know, there was a there was definitely a fucking uh, drawn out horniness through for years before that. You know, I'm sure of it. I, I don't remember specifics, but I'm sure of it. Like, I was watching porn before I was coming, so clearly, so it's like, there's that long drawn out thing. But then girls, fucking get this giant like get a tidal wave of blood. Like they get swept into the Chthonian swamp. Literally, they're innocent little girls prancing around, and then all of a sudden this blood monster rises from the ground and fucking yanks them in like it like of course it's a horrifying experience and guess what i have go i have more uh empathy now for like m to, uh, to f to m trans you know like i can see that if you're fucked up with your with your uh, feelings of being a girl before you you hit puberty i can see why you'd be you'd literally be deathly afraid of puberty because it is a well yeah it's a fucking tidal wave of experience so i this actually made me made me more sympathetic to that literally so well, i mean what, what you're referring to namely is the opening the the opening scene after uh this uh <clears throat> scene on the volleyball court where carrie is getting you know bullied by her classmates and uh, while in the shower she discovers her first period without 
knowing about it because of her hyper-religious mother. And we see the blood drip down Sissy Spacek's leg as she looks at her hand and is coming to terms instantly with her puberty. And I think this is one of the most horrifying moments in all of film when she is pleading for help to a crowd of people packing her with tampons screaming plug it up and the shot suddenly drifts into this like cinema verite like shaky documentary camera as sissy spacek totally nude in her flopping breasts is screaming for help covered in blood and this sort of hyper dramatic form of the movie is what makes it so beautiful to me Oh, it's just incredible. I, I want to know, Jack, what your experience with this is, because I know you, you respect Stephen King, but where does Carrie walk into the picture for you? Um, So I, the first Stephen King books that I read were also the first horror books that I read in seventh grade. I read mm-hmm. Carrie and Salem's Lot, the first two Stephen King books. Um, and I felt very adult and mature for reading them. Um, Carrie had existed in my head as a kind of scary thing which i saw preview images of at like blockbuster like of her like uh with the blood going down her face and the flames around her and i didn't know exactly what it was i saw glimpses on tnt a key part of all these 70s horror movies is when you see glimpses of their censored versions on tv Yes. Like when my life was ruined by The Exorcist, it wasn't by watching the full movie. It was by watching just a censored several minutes on like network TV. And Carrie did the same thing to me. I was like terrified of whatever this was because the 70s seemed so sordid and scary. Um, I actually watched it and got into it when I was like a cinephile after eighth grade. Um, And I bought the DVD and like got into like Dress to Kill and Brian De Palma. And it's an interesting case study because it's Brian De Palma is this filmmaker who's known primarily for erotic thrillers, Dress to Kill, Body Double, um but he is really all over the place and he can do like any genre and has as many failures as he has successes and and Carrie is one is one of his most successful movies and that is because of this magical uncategor- uncategorizable combination of elements where it's the the pulp 1974 first Stephen King novel before Stephen King has a reputation whatsoever and then the fact of it being in the late 70s directed by Brian De Palma who likes uh, doing Hitchcockian exploitation set pieces so the the amazing visceral quality of Carrie now is that it feels like this emotional exploitation movie like that opening beautiful set piece of the teenage girls naked with their bushes on display in the locker room uh you would never see anything that visceral or pornographic now um you would never see anything like the depiction of the bully nancy allen and this is this is the hottest nancy allen ever was okay i'm a huge oh my nancy god allen fan. 
Um, but Brian De Palma, who was her husband uh, at one point, he knew how to shoot her to make her look as hot as possible, just like David Lynch knows how to shoot a woman. Um, and Nan- Nancy Allen, compare how she looks in this to how she looks in RoboCop, where she's like a dried out like man in RoboCop, obviously for effect. Uh, but she has these glossy orange lips. She's like young and juicy and just an evil slut. Um, and it, it, Carrie is also this wonderful uh, watermark of this time in the 20th century where a bullying problem would be solved by a hot young teacher slapping her <laughs> chain smoking in the office oh god so it was so just like generous. people had so much freedom it's just like this window into how much freedom people had and then sissy spacek was such a like new hollywood like weird actress of that time like she was very 70s she was very weird she had just come off of three women i think it was before this She'd been in Badlands as well, right? Yeah. The Terrence Malick movie. Uh-huh. And, and she is this bizarre, rabbit-eyed redhead uh, that's an amazing actress. And she knew all the right people. And she's very different from the Carrie depicted in the book. The Carrie depicted in the book is uh awkward and pudgy and has acne and is ugly and has all these things you would bully her for but like sissy spacek has this 70s uh kind of supermodel kind of like avant-garde quality yeah i mean she looks weird for sure she has like bug eyes and freckles and like kind of greasy hair and she looks like she smells like cat pee in like the Mm -hmm in the first half of the movie, but the Carrie of the novel is, like, a little overweight. Like, the way that Stephen King describes her, like, pimples is especially greasy and nasty. Mm. Um, And the Carrie of the novel is full of rage from the very beginning, whereas Brian De Palma kind of films the Sissy Spacek Carrie as, like, very virginal and pure and innocent and sweet. And I like both of them for different reasons, but Mm. the filmic depiction of her as like this person who is like, uh, tempted down from her like Christ, like uh, crucifixion into this, uh, bloody Chthonian swamp mess of massacring murder. I I like them both for different reasons, but the movie is really cutting with that. The movie is especially cunning. It just has this shock exploitation element that you don't have now where like you're getting a story about teenagers in high school, but you will get like tits and bush and violence and abject cruelty and like John Travolta smacking Nancy Allen around. Oh, and wow billy 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 like it it just has this visceral (laughs) violent brutal cruel quality that i can imagine playing so well at a uh drive-in or cinema in the late 70s when people are really looking for anything shocking yeah um 
it, take me there like if it were made roads. now which it was like they constantly remake carrie like there was like the 2012 one it's just like lame because they don't get at that visceral sexual kind of like exploitation quality yeah i've become such a faggot about carrie that i have seen every single iteration i like of it. all the of I like every single one except for the most recent remake with Julianne Moore, which I find it's horrible. and horrible. It's really bad. It's horrible. But I like the 2003 TV pilot that was supposed to launch into a series of Snoo Snell and Carrie going around to psychic teens in the South and, like, helping them through their bullying yeah. issues and never went off the ground. I love the musical, both the flopped, like, 80s version and their, like, redone version, but... Um, like you said, this whole book and the film uh, is so exploitative and like going to see this in a drive-in is like so right um, because like the novel and its film adaptation is just this sexual pageant of excess. And there's a really good scene in the novel where it's describing Billy, the boyfriend of the, the boy. Billy. And Billy, 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 I hate Carrie White. Billy. And uh, <laughs> Stephen King writes, he I remember didn't talk that. when he drove. He liked to drive. The operation gave him a feeling of power that nothing could rival, not even fucking. But the car, the car fed him power and glory from its own mystic lines of force. The car was his slave and his god. I don't know. Stephen King really gets like the American hangups about sexuality. He really does. And then does. Brian De Palma makes it like ultra literal and flashy and gaudy under this like 70s soap opera color palette it is just it speaks to my soul the, and the th color this palette is, more... is gorgeous this the blue mm -hmm. the shots of the car and her like superimposed on the car i don't even remember exactly the technique but just the the blue sky the the dark blue sky the red car like the the virginal bloody the 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 you know the uh like menstrual monstrosity like the way he mixed is like like the fucking star-spangled banner red white and blue like it was crazy it was, it was and those really beautiful. stunning split focus shots that de palma is famous for where it will yes. show like the classroom over here and then that weird split focus blurry line and then someone else in focus over here like that's incredible like mm -hmm. it, it, like people who see stephen king in his current state where he's just like a libtard on twitter yeah don't really understand the breadth of his achievements because like you go back and read like the first like 20 years of stephen king novels even like the crazy cocaine ones and he is a fucking genius and you can understand it all when you look at those like original covers like uh so i can never get mad at stephen king for just being like an old libtard on twitter because he has given us carrie he's given us it you know which i think is his prime achievement the most the stand, crazy, so, the stand. yeah tonight is a night of multiple confessions and i'm gonna have to make one now which is that if what you say is true, and I and I'm and I truly believe it, I'm I totally trust your opinion. Um, what you say, because I haven't read a single Stephen King novel. I read his book on writing in a in a time when I was uh. in a when in a time when I was at the ready to fucking shred it apart. So I wrote this whole hatchet piece 
for a, a conservative journal of opinion, uh, 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 just shredding Stephen King apart because of uh, based on on writing and his like lip, basically his pro, his pre liptarded like literary kind of uh, like views, basically like that, like just like they were liptarded in the making. But this is like the mid two thousands when he wrote this, and I just like it felt liptarded to me spiritually and artistically, not political. It didn't get into politics. Um, but I smelled it. I smelled the libtard. And I don't think anyone knew of him as a libtard at the time. Um, no. uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah. So here's, right. here's the assignment. I, I smelled the libtard. So, here's yeah, the assignment I would give to anyone about Stephen King. Okay. Read Carrie. Read Pet Cemetery. Read Gerald's Game. Read oh, yeah. uh, The Stand. In, in that read order? Read Dolores Claiborne. Read It. Not in this order. I'm just listing oh, them. You can read them in any order. Uh, any order. But but truly, uh, I mean, if you have to reduce it to, like, two, I would say It and Gerald's Game. If you read okay. It mm-hmm. and Gerald's Game, you'll come away knowing why Stephen King is an artist. Then I fucking ha- I have to do it because I cannot, well, I cannot sit well, here. The thing and, is, like, is I actually like on writing. I actually like it. I think he gives good advice because it's like a like kind of like a self-help novel for the aspiring writer. And you know what? What I like, I'm what with... I like about it is that his big piece of advice is if you're not reading every day, you're not writing. Yeah, and you have true. to write every day. Right. And I think he is extremely harsh actually where like a lot of like as a creative writing minor, as yeah. an undergraduate at the University of Oregon, <laughs> a lot of, like, the stuff we read was crap. It's just this, like, yeah. you know, oh, like, the feeling of the hero's journey. But, like, Stephen King is, like, you have to, like, have some sort of, like, sense of something wrong in the world that you want to talk about. And you have to read a book every day, and then you have to write about it every day, and that's the only way that it's going to happen. And especially, like, in this, like, Twitter writerly, like, terror house self-published world... No, he got it right. Yeah. So look at that. Look at that cover, honey. (laughs) Yeah. Honestly, I'm holding up the hardcover of Gerald's game. Uh, Read that. Like I will. I will. I'll read it, and I'll read Gerald's game, and I'll like hope for an updated. I'll read. I'll see if I can do it. I'll read. Like I, I obviously almost no one has read all of it because he puts out like three books a year. How Uh the fuck? Um, Literally, but. (laughs) The, back in the glory days, okay, yeah, literally reading those, like, five books, it's like, you can't come away from that not knowing that there's yes. something very deep there. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, oh, something, something interesting is happening. Okay. Okay. Good night. Ayo, ayo. Okay. Body, kishet body. Sorry, that was my that was my grandmother, and there was no, <laughs> there was no way of explaining, reminding yeah, her cute. of the situation. <laughs> you had to get... No, no, I liked it. Oh, is that The Shining? Yeah, this is the original the Shining. Shining I love it. Wait, is it okay, a good? So, is it good, The Shining? Because I, uh, I, I know it's, it's no. way less good than the movie. That's what I've always. That's what I've been convinced by everyone I respect, such as um, Mr. Thompson. One thing I really love is the 1990 oh. edition of 
the stand where it's uncut and mm. he changes the pop culture references to things topical in 1990s so it's like teenage mutant ninja turtles and stuff rather than like 1975 stuff the stand is brilliant it's so boring oh it's so nothing good. happens it's really boring nothing the, happens the first 400 pages not a thing they go to happens. the dairy queen yeah <laughs> it's just like oh, it's so nothing good. so okay, nothing happens what do you think he's going through his mind but i consumed it, it like rapidly okay, well, no what do you think he goes what, he, do you, what do you think is going through his mind because he knows the value of things happening right that's how he's made no, his money he, no he he has a textual awareness of what america feels like i mean when you're going through the the carry novel it's um interstitial with these like faux non-fictional pieces out of like literary reports of the white incident yeah, and all yeah. of this stuff and he, the way that he speaks in like this um sort of like proletariat like car mechanic voice along with like the endless horny descriptions of women's breasts and their like wobbling tits and their peachy nipples like he understands like an american sexuality very deeply and then he abstracts it into these bizarro fantasies like the stand which is 1200 pages of dairy queen apocalypse ending with like a bunch of like cave people covered in slime it's amazing like i consumed it like i was addicted but like nothing happens and the uh the much famed like satanic villain in it he's only in it for like 30 pages yeah, he's like barely in it. Barely so in Harry, it. Like he this is his first novel. Um, and when it's adapted onto screen, it's all of these like chaotic sexual pieces going on with Brian De Palma literalizing it. And to me, the prom sequence of the Brian De Palma film is maybe like the most perfect eight minutes to film ever made. It truly between is. Between the like between the peanut uh Pino Donaggio, peanut I can't Donaggio. <laughs> Peanut Dinaggio. It sounds like a drag queen name. <laughs> Peanut Dinaggio would be a good Welcome to the stage. Name. Peanut Dinaggio, who he basically like has done like all these Argento scores and stuff. He's like a big campy Italian guy. And he does this ramping orchestral score that like feels like sex like approaching orgasm. We're watching the bully's face before she dumps the bucket of blood like her mouth quivering as it's covered in lip gloss. Exactly. And then when it gets all dumped on her, oh my god, this is like real cinema. And I think that Carrie's act of revenge, her killing the entire prom, it has like this like bewitching and vexing effect where you are like bootsing for her the whole time, but you're also like paralyzed in a unique horror. And I don't know how this is accomplished, but something about this just gets under my skin. Boots, 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 boots. but also <laughs> wig and a little bit of twirl. Twirl, <laughs> but also being a millennial that lived through Columbine, I remember the change in media. Mm. And uh, before Columbine, there was all this stuff that kind of like romanticized high school students killing their entire class, like rock and roll mm-hmm. high school, the uh, which PJ Souls from Carrie is also in um, rock and roll high school where the Ramones movie where they like blow up the school and uh, 
Carrie, where, you know, the bullied girl kills all of her classmates. Yeah. After Columbine, there became this very serious thing about, like, we can't show yeah. uh, disaffected, depressed students getting revenge by killing yeah. people. So before the 20 years before that, it was like this free-for-all of that kind of content but it's, until it became see- real. It's hard to look, it's hard to like notice that connection and not conclude that, well, the 20 years of fan, the 20 years of graphically, compellingly depicted fantasy of killing your students is, of course, what led to Columbine. Of course, that is what caused Columbine, that implanted the idea in kids' heads that it is a just and righteous thing to do to slaughter your bullies. But I think because they're is. bullies they're bullies yeah exactly so the, so the but but that but that's the thing it's like the oh Colum- god I, i'm not gonna be one of these alex jones people like eight years from now they oh, come for me for this podcast no this i think it's inexcusable right <laughs> Look, inexcusable to come this is an ultimate homosexual <laughs> fantasy imagine being frumpy and ugly and full of pimples and like kind of fat and like no one likes you and is like displeased by your physical appearance it is sad and then one day you make well, your own dress imagine i, I should have known it would be red it's pink not mama. that anyone <laughs> i know has ever experienced this but imagine like uh just like all of your twitter bullies are suddenly dead at the prom like just <laughs> not not that anyone i know has ever experienced anything like this but imagine if everybody who has ever like had a snide word about you on twitter or your appearance they like their head exploded like a cantaloupe well i mean the, the thing for me is that like i was like this like homosexual Look at fantasy his arm. it's like Oh, I know. I was looking at them earlier, oh, and I was fuck. like, "What are you talking about?" Yeah, like that. <laughs> <laughs> <That's your laughs> I was okay. I looked at that I earlier. Gay, and I like, you know, my forearms are not appealing. Come on, they're so skinny. You look like a I fucking MMA you. fighter. <laughs> Please die. That's okay, just because I'm going to carry you. The shadows are making me swarthier than I actually am. Oh, oh, shut the fuck up. <laughs> As I was saying, the carry fantasy is like suddenly you're wearing the most beautiful dress that you made yourself. You're defying your parents who don't understand you. And you're getting red. I should have known it would be red. I By love way, Piper Laurie. Oh, a, a piece movie. of trivia about that line is that the it's taken verbatim out of the yeah. The, I should the, have known it would be red. The dress was pink, but they kept it but red, the dress which is amazing. The and they forgot to edit the script, and so she said that. And then Sissy Space like, just improvised, looking up at her, and said, "It's pink, Mama." And I love that line. It's so right. telling. But the, the, the fantasy. Uh-huh. One of the things that people I talk to most commonly object to about Carrie is the 70s gonzo montage of uh, her, uh, Billy and her getting prepped to the prom with that. I love it. That music, that only makes it better, obviously. Yeah. Brian DePaulo talked about this too. He said in particular, he's like, well, of course it has to be kind of like stupid and fun because like if there's, if it's all taken seriously and it's like a deathly true portrait, then the prom doesn't work. This is like what I say about uh, the recent Stephen King It adaptations is that Mm -hmm. they work so well because they have these corny Mexican teenager jump scares. 
Mm-hmm. Like they're not just like pure, like oblique, better call Saul art. They have those stupid CGI Mexican jump scares. And that's why they're a hit. That's why they're yeah. great. You need to appeal to, you know, some sort of accessible large scale cultural level in order to make something feel real. And so mm-hmm. after you Surely. get like the dumb 70s sped up joke of Tommy Ross during the actual prom apocalypse, it is so, oh my God, there's nothing else on film like this. It is horrifying and riveting and true because I want to do this. I want to stand in a beautiful dress and just like... <laughs> electrocute everyone oh this is really good as well in the novel stephen king describes the the face that she makes as a minstrel like he describes like her big eyes as like the black face as like literal black face and like obviously sissy spacek was doing the same thing and going yeah (laughs) the sudden sudden it's it's amazing but but the most memorable part of Carrie, which, you know, I think is one of these uncategorizable masterpieces, um, is that uh, soundscape of all the bullies of her life playing in her head, which is just what happens in my head when I don't drink, um, which is the, don't laugh at you. Trust me, Carrie, you can <laughs> trust me. Plug it up, plug it up. <laughs> like that, that <laughs> is every day when I'm driving my car to go like buy a salad yeah the kaleidoscope of these faces laughing at you and worrying at you as you've done nothing wrong and i've just been trying to be a person they're all gonna laugh at you and sue snell's an amazing character because that's how they show how like the like nice girl like the nominally like nice girl gets caught up in just some like crazy chaotic like group bullying thing which is how it happens yes and i i feel like we should talk about how i know you've been bullied zach mm-hmm. i got very little of it i got some of it from the mexicans um i got a little of it on gay pride day in like 2003 when i wore a shirt that i had written on sharpie said i like to watch boys make out and mm. uh like redneck like rushed me <laughs> i love it in high school and they had to like uh send me to the office i got that but i barely got anything because there was like a big guy and no one really cared armenia well, did you ever avoid I was a late bloomer too, but I just want to say that I didn't like really like go through like serious puberty until like maybe like 15 or 16. And like, I looked very effeminate and I had like long hair. Like, I felt like Carrie because I had like these bangs. I used to wear like a, a fucking brown leather jacket to school every day and I had fucking huge pimples underneath my bangs. I was very unattractive. Baby. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like a... You know, I was, like, getting, like, shoved down this, like, the stairs and stuff. And, like, all the while, I was, like, sitting in my middle school classes reading The Stand and reading <laughs> Harry and reading Battle Royale and was, like, oh, just you wait until <laughs> I'm an artist and yeah, all that, of you are going to die in my literature. Novels, like, they were props like that for, like, nerds to be, like, I'm reading this evil thing. Exactly. Wait, so God. I am curious. Armenia, were you bullied at all? If I was, uh, so first I will, I will say that I know the feeling. I was, I've been bullied in short for sure, in like minor 
intervals let's just say mm -hmm. like it didn't it wasn't like a months long thing it was like a few it was like almost like one offs or two offs or three offs if i was bullied more than that i blocked it out i've simply blocked it out because i i adopted a um i adopted a a don't be a pussy like life mission around middle uh -huh. school like it became i had a very I can't imagine anyone bullying you well, I'm just like there. There are people who try. I feel like you'd vore them. Like, just, you'd like they them. would just be like, he's so just weird be? and confident. I don't know. I feel like you're a Tommy Ross. <laughs> like, like right, like he's like a Tommy Ross. Yeah, like, like Tommy Ross. They would just it, be like, Let's you were playing soccer in high one. school. Like yeah, that like like lithe muscular body that care. Oh, sorry, well, I but I, but lithe six pack. <laughs> But you have to Just remember, blooming pubes. You're you two are very artistic and generous and wise. <laughs> the the general population of Pally High, not necessarily. But listen, they did get it at some point. It's crazy to say, but they got uh -huh. it. I don't know. I don't know who had a crush on me. Who didn't? Like there may have been half a few. erect penis. I had no game. And I had no idea what I, I wasn't even I was I was in the, the female half game. erect uncut. Well, well, here's the other thing too yeah. is that like They're not, I feel like when when Carrie is defeating her bullying, right? <laughs> the first time that she defeats it is by looking sexy and actualizing herself at the prom and just proving them wrong. Absolutely, with the hottest jock in school. That's and the literally, only reason that they, literally you know, looking hot is yeah the most. The, the 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 most powerful thing it's like that's why people put that's why people obsess over their looks i mean you if you look hot mascara just like betsy buckley Buck, yeah you did. shut you shut everyone up nobody you know, can say the, anything. my a, my biggest yeah. memory of uh, betty buckley is when i was having my mental breakdown at unt she was playing an opera show and I was like, I should go to that. It's the bitch from Carrie. Yeah. She was at UNT, <laughs> and she didn't. Yeah, she, now I didn't. Literally, go. but like, literally, what's most of acting? Like, there's it's like fifty percent looking hot, fifty percent channeling humanity. Well, if you can successfully is, look is that... hot, you win. Our, you want. You've won. You. We're listening. <laughs> we're watching for the forever. But, but the thing is, is also it's like it's looking hot, but it's also being able to present yourself as a person. And like, of course, you, ha Plausible you have hot. to. You have to like create your own image and plausible most, hot, like the hot you the can most, actually encounter in real life, not magazine hot, merely, uh -huh. merely. You know what I mean? Like, there's a cartoonish hot, which I believe is Kim Kardashian. But there's Sugi. It's so hot. It's what I always spray when I think of you. And like, oh. boy, you're walking through Japanese park. Japanese. It's, it's, Japanese. Japanese. Uh, <laughs> I love. Yeah, I'm just like oh, this this is Zach Here's walking around in the big city. The Japanese. Zaku. Zakasan. 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 Wait, we should talk. We should talk about yeah. The, show. the last thing I want to say before we get to life is that <laughs> I want to coom all over Carrie because I feel like I'm coom. really. I need to. The last thing. Apologize. Coom. <laughs> Zach. <laughs> Zach. <laughs> Zach. Come. <laughs> Sugi. Wait, he's making a serious point. 
the only thing I want to say is that when Tommy Ross is holding Carrie and the camera is spinning around them and it becomes dizzying with her ecstasy, the fact that you watch that and know it's all going to burn away. And you're that too. <laughs> it's evil. You're like nauseous with beauty and getting dizzy and then you all know what's going to happen and it all ends in hell. Two thousand and seven <laughs> drama adapted from the shoujo manga, um, written by, written and illustrated by Suenobu. And Michael. illustrated, sorry. Yeah, both. Yeah. She she illustrated it too, and it depicts a troubled high school girl who, after having a traumatic falling out with her best friend over high school, ex- give some of us freelance exams. illustrators a chance. You know what I mean? Sorry, go ahead. She, it's okay. She basically. Uh, ends up going to the high school her best friend wanted to go to where she becomes the target of extraordinary bullying. 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 (laughs) I should have known it would be red. There is nothing worse than bullying. We must team against the bullying. Basically, um, my boyfriend showed me this show in January when I had COVID. We watched like the whole series in about two days. I think that this is one of the most riveting, fascinating, exciting television series ever made. It speaks to so many bizarre, perverted truths about humanity. It's artistically compelling, and it is also deeply true to what we have all my been through. My badass so. agrees with all of that, and uh, <laughs> like. I cannot tell you how good life is as a soap opera. Like it, it, it is an amazing show. Uh, visually, the acting, like every single bit of it, like I think it's a masterpiece. And I had never heard of it. You know, the, no one my favorite of kind of podcast assignment is something I've never heard of. And this was something fucking incredible where by episode two i totally got it you know that we have the 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 rape scene with the the bdsm kind of like tied up distasteful (laughs) that was my favorite scene that was my favorite it's it's an amazing scene and but like really the whole show is shot in this incredible Inland Empire digital netherworld kind of like 
amazing way and it looks so so incredible with the fake rain with the uh with the uh like blinds kind of like shadowy kind of like bullshit like it it's an incredible show it is and what's so incredible about it is that it's so stylish and it's so stylish in a way that feels impossible for anything that could be made now because it's very ham-fisted and obvious. Every time something dramatic happens, a guitar string is furiously <coughs> plucked. It is endlessly repeating the soundtrack, which is like a mix between like this um, melodramatic Japanese theme song um, against like industrial, like electronic screaming music. And every single time this main character, her name is uh, Ayumu, Every time she's bullied or is like making some like kind of a <laughs> attempt to save her life, oh my god! This music comes in oh, the the harsh music. white oh. yellow lighting. It's amazing. And it's just she's so so gorgeous. Like I mm-hmm. want to cry every time I look at her. She's so <laughs> beautiful and so cute. Every time I look at her, the casting is perfect. And all the other girls, which I can only identify by hairstyle. You know, it's 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 amazing how we see the this proto uh, libtard bullying narrative be deployed on this Japanese soap opera. And my my favorite thing about it is how you see the brand names displayed. Uh, During the commercial so you'll breaks. see like Laura Ashley Nissan, <laughs> Laura Ashley Nissan, Toyota, whatever, like on the screen. So PNG. So it's literally a soap opera, which is the genesis of soap opera was uh, shows sponsored by soap companies. So Procter and Gamble is one of those so this this has the png procter and gamble soap opera kind of sponsorship i kind of described the main plot to this already but the uh main idea is that this character ayumu as played by um uh kitano ki she was um 16 years old filming this and she is bullied by a riveting character actress. Oh, yeah. It's just something you've never seen before on film, and that is Anzai Manami, as uh, played Manami. by Fukadasaki. And she is this pristine, beautiful Harajuku girl with a pink ribbon and gorgeous dyed brown hair, looking stunning in every shot. And she manipulates she looks like these. No, seriously. She looks like BB she... Gates. I got yeah. so this is this is actually she was very she was very triggering to me because she, her phenotype there's been there's a there's this family trauma in my family which is that like in my on one one side of the family uh there were like the cousins uh backstabbed financial like there was a huge rift right where like excommunication like they never talked to each other again type of thing that mm-hmm. happened because one one side of the family tried to screw over the other side of the family and you know, financially and in a business context. And it was a huge trauma in my early life. And and one of the culprits, one of the culprits has, despite being Armenian and despite being a totally different race, has the fucking 
there's something about that phenotype or the something about the way she looks that brought that brought her to mind and like oh i was like oh shit this was like a cosmic like cosmic choke on my neck well the way that this monami bully character um ruins the lives of everyone around her is this expansive plotting narrative um over the course of the series she uh throws people's desks outside of their <laughs> schoolroom. She pours needles on their face and says that she has to eat them or tries to thrust it's it into their incredible. eyes. She hires um her yakuza like pimp boyfriend Ugh. to um he looks like a Mexican jeans. <laughs> yeah. She, His she, she, jinko she hires jeans. Him. Yeah. Yeah. They tie them up in a fucking abandoned <laughs> building and set fire to the building. Um, basically, every single character in this is two seconds away from killing themselves, attacking someone, Twisted knifing someone, black. crying, ripping their hair out, cutting their hair. There is so much at stake every scene, and it just keeps building up because of those sound effects and the harsh camera editing. And yeah. every character is two seconds away from suicide, which is amazing. Yes. Because like just don't run you right can off. like push them the wrong way and they will just like want to yeah. kill themselves. Which They'll is jump like jump off the fucking. I building. wish I had that kind of commitment. I wish I could kill myself at a moment's notice, but uh, like I can't. It would be. So I want to. I I want to like in the. I think in the second or third episode, Monami is like manipulating the main character Ayumu, and she tries to manipulate her by. Um, getting her to, like, fix her boyfriend problems. And uh, she, like, walks in front of a train when the problem appears not to be solved. And it just happens out of nowhere. Like, but it feels so right. It feels so right. And also, this show is all about, like, the details that you absorb. Like, the flip phones with the charms on them. Like, all the popular girls have flip phones with... The, with a bunch of charms on them mm-hmm. and it, it's incredible and like the kind of like detritus of like showing your friendship um where it's like going into these photo booths and like getting a sticker of like you and this girl being friends like it's 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 amazing I like this show also has the aesthetics of like the late era of soap operas where they were all being canceled so like one life to live as the world turns all these shows developed uh an aesthetic similar to this where it was like a web series um where it was like digital and uh weird and like it it really felt like this um But I I was so happy to watch this and see a genuine Japanese soap opera where it was like literally sponsored by Procter and Gamble, the soap company. Oh yeah, this is so inaccessible to Westerners because they make no. This is for Japanese people. They make no concessions. They do not do anything to westernize this whatsoever and so the effect is like this like glittering asian object of like total object horror incredible and it's beautiful the fucking chains on the flip phones as you mentioned the socks pulled up to the knees um 
there's a bunch of, like, English garbage that is just, like, drifting in the YMO distance of this, like, the sadistic rapist villain the of the show. The way the girl's hair, like, blows in the oh. wind like it's like, so glam it's so glam and how everybody has like fucked up teeth like everybody <laughs> yeah. has like yellow fucked up teeth well um, I, what i what i find incre- like it's so 70s I what find, did you notice armenian i don't know it's 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 probably trite to even say because i don't know if i'm noticing anything interesting about this show except for its resemblance to the fucking person in my family history but like i feel like the the First of all, there's a weird stylistic thing, which explain, maybe I just didn't pick up, where they show a reaction to the same event like three times by the same person. They'll like do like three different revision, like so, like when someone's falling or when all the tables and desks are falling from like somebody launched them off the uh, out of the window and someone sees them fall down. You'll see it like you'll see them, you'll see them react, you'll see a second version of the same thing happening, you'll see a, a different reaction. And then you'll see a third version, which is like a different event entirely. Am I, am I, did I get confused by that? Or were there a lot? No, not no, like you're right. Ripple? That's exactly how they shoot this. Kurosawa has fucking versions of each event that was dramatic. <laughs> no, but here, here's the thing is that this show is so willing to burrow into the emotions of its characters in a really interesting way. Because, for instance, um, there is a scene very close to the end of the series where this fashion model character, Hiro, who uh, was originally <laughs> bullied by the clique, and then uh, joins the clique, and then is so threatened by it that she decides to kill herself. When she jumps <laughs> off the school building, mm. we see the character of the protagonist, Ayumu, like, flash to her several times. And with each flash, it gets a little closer. That harrowing guitar string gets a little louder. And the different multitudes of emotion shown on her face, it's like you can really see every corner of every character's emotional reality it's in this. Incredible. It's like the the Inland Empire kind of like documenting of these emotional moments is stunning. It's a beautifully yes, uh... documented show. Like and the visuals are incredible with these with these shadowy, noirish, blind kind of uh uh fake rain kind of noirish mm-hmm. shit like it's amazing that they do this and like nobody could ever possibly understand this in a western audience like nobody no it's impossible unless like you really like open yourself up to this it's impossible to get because like it's frustrating for someone who's like attuned to something like Better Call Saul or like American <laughs> dramas of like the yes. 21st century yeah. because they don't American dramas do not engage and play in this emotionality what okay. they do is they like to isolate it into an artistic image whereas this has no reservations about being art. It thrusts these horny, subterranean, disastrous ephemera onto the surface, and so you see everyone reacting in pristine and the detail. role it's of incredible. music. The role of music is incredible because they will play the theme song. You know what every, it reminded me of? Every yeah, single every five episode. seconds. They, they fucking play Not every five seconds. They play it at the most pivotal moment. Right, but they and play like it's the show. brilliant. So yes. that's like Americans wouldn't do that. Americans would be like, 
this is corny. We have to be like better call Saul and like deprive everyone of pleasure. Yeah. But like the Japanese will play that theme song every episode and it's fucking amazing. It's such an emotional moment. Yes, All it right. is. It really hits your soul. But Armenia, what were you going to say? Two things. Both of them uh-huh. probably stupid. But the don't sh- just make a disclaimer. No, no, I'm so no, 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 because no, no nuance. I'm just so say it. Of low confidence, people. I no, no, it's not low confidence. It's just, it's just because I have a confession to make later. No, no, no. I'm just, I'm just assessing properly my inadequate. Uh, I didn't take this show as seriously as I should have, and for that I am sorry. I should have taken. The, I should have not been looking at my phone. I should have made a. I should have respected you your should choice. Have killed yourself. I should have killed myself. Well, I'll do that later. But I'm saying, like, I should have respected Zach's insistence that this is a work of art. Because I was, if I found it difficult at first, and I just found it very, I mean, because of my hang, because of my current bad mood. It's because of my fucking bad mood. If I was in my good mood, I'd be more like, all right, you know what? Zach said this is great. I'm going to fucking pay attention. But because I kept looking at my phone, I missed all kinds of plot developments and blah, blah, blah. And I didn't allow myself to overcome the initial Cry me a river. discomforts of it. Cry right, so me a river. Cry me a river of cum. Okay, here's what I would say. I was going to say that <laughs> first. <laughs> Cry me rem- a river. What, what does the show remind you the of? The show reminds me of a certain show that most people will remember called Salute My Shorts uh, in, on Nickelodeon. Do you remember that show? Did you say salute? My salute, 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 my shorts. Do you guys yeah, remember? I that remember show? that show. Okay, it's probably a it. fucking stupid ass show. I remember the, that show. The way it was shot, and the way it was like, I feel like I feel like the, you know, like the the dramatic nature of like being in a. It was a show set in a summer camp, right? So the kind of like, kid, the very the the juvenile, uh, uh, you know, mind games were like the engine of that show, as I recall. Even though that was like a comedy, this is a fucking oh, soap opera. So cute. Uh, I'm, that means I'm sounding like that means I'm making nonsense com- comments. No, no, I'm getting fucking... it. Keep going. I'm getting it. You're just no, hot. I'm thinking nonsense. Anyway, I'm just you're saying it reminded me of that show. Sorry. It reminded me of that fucking show. Sorry That's about your appearance. Oh. It's true. He can't say anything horrible because even if he's like, I hated this show, I didn't get it. He's like, Okay, so it, it reminded you of that. It reminded you of that show. No, and I was just going to say the thing I, I did appreciate Wait. the most was that, like, I guess this is like the kabuki ass style of Japanese drama, but like these, these girls. And I think it's also an I think it's also an accurate characteristic of youth. Like when you're, especially if you're a chick, where literally, if I'm remembering my sister correctly, never a dull moment, never a dull moment. It's like constant drama, <laughs> constant fucking drama every single day. There's got to be something. If there isn't a major human drama, there's a major material drama where you have to get something. You have to like these chicks are. There's never they ne- they never chill out. They never chill out. They're never. No, just and it makes chilling. the show very exciting, doesn't it's it? Non-stop. I mean, this is something Jack Jack said this to me over text earlier when he first started watching it is that it seems like all the things you said by Tattoo, like the the series. Yes, it's like it's all these girls. Yeah, it's all these girls in sailor, you know, costumes, and you know, this season on Fake the show particularly. Rain? 
I've been very interested in like fake rain. dramatic women, like Purple in the rain. fake rain. Purple rain. And it's like fake this is rain. literalizing something that's unspoken, which is like the turmoil of these emotional dramatic women the desperately bullying so each other. Good, Can I say something? Like, I I don't want to let it go as this like joke thing. It's not a joke. Right. It's for real. It's not no, it's a for... joke because you know like, what it did. I've been I'll tell you this. Over the last what what did it do? What did last it do? week. And it's fucking incredible. Like yes. it's like every shot of every girl. Like they, you know, all of them distinctively. Uh, the main girl, she was the most beautiful thing you've ever seen. <laughs> yes, obviously she is gorgeous. Like, uh, it. It's just nobody could ever put forth something with the drama of this like it, it, it it's people are too self-conscious to so with that they're too self-conscious playing, to do it nobody has the emotional candor uh in this country to like to match that i 100 like that's why i was like i'm saying that everything the the the, the sense that like everything matters so much to these young girls that's how it, yeah that's how i remember it being but if you watch an american show today about high school or whatever it's so irony. Muted. It's fucking uh, yeah. It's muted with irony. It's like irony yeah. spread all over the thing, just making sure that no desperation or true like yeah, true fucking like mm-hmm. hunger enters the 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 fucking picture because we can't handle despite, that anymore. Yeah. We can't yeah, handle despite it. the despite the fact that life has a suicide or a suicide attempt every three episodes. Um, the manga is worse. They're always cutting themselves in the manga. Like, but like in the TV series, like, uh, they're always like on they're the putting cigarettes suicide. out on their hands. <laughs> yeah, they they fucking burn you... guys to cigarettes to bully them. But the thing it's... is, is that they never make a joke. They never like look back and be like, "This is funny." No, they are dead serious the whole time, and it makes the whole effect glistening and true. And here's what I want to say: the deeper we get into this, and the more horrifying the bullying becomes of Ayumu is they shove her in the trash can as they wet her face with a mop as they write kill yourself so on her desk evil. and throw her out what you get to see is you get to see Ayumu fight back against it and it is awe-inspiring after she has her desk and her chair and her textbooks thrown out and she looks up at all the people laughing at her who say, there's no seat for you here. And, the, and she picks up the her desk only, in one hand and her chair and walks the fuck up. The only person who ever spoke out for her is the girl, tall girl with the long hair. The long hair, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah like, yeah. like that's the main thing, is, like, everybody in this universe will not speak out for basic justice. But mm, the tall girl with the long hair is the only one who will be like, yeah, there's something unjust yeah. happening. And who's the yeah. tall girl? Who's the tall girl with the long hair among us today? It's Jack. Uh, Mason. It's Jack Mason. No, no, Jack <laughs> is Ayumu. Jack, all of us are literally Ayumu. Like none of like we don't have any like hot thirty. So, and I love have... how everybody's teeth are fucked up. Yeah, and, like everybody has like yellow like fucked up teeth. Fucked up like, like buck teeth. Yeah, like <laughs> so <laughs> like the fangs. I have and, like. But Three let's more talk about say. the boys. Like, you know, oh, the, oh, boys. Wait, we, the boys. The boys. Wait, wait, wait. We've talked about 
we talked about how to say so. the only person who will ever stand up for you is the tall girl's long hair <laughs> with the fucked up teeth. She's beautiful. <laughs> I love her. Um, but like the boys in this series, the boys are great characters. Both cute, you know. Like the rapist is cute, and the, the nerd is also cute. Mm-hmm. The nerd is not even a nerd, as far as I could tell. But yeah, the they were both. They're both. Armini, what did, what did you want to say briefly? So, briefly, I just wanted to pay tribute to. First of all, I want to say that the show. Before I forget, because I might forget everything that I want to say. Uh huh. I was going to say a. The show reminded me of SMT Five, in both music and in character, kind and in movement. Like and yeah, I completely just like agree. the way people would just run off into another part of the school for this next battle, you know, like there was, it felt like very companion, like it felt like a real life version of SMT five. Is it SMT? Is it yeah. MST? I don't remember. Whatever. Who cares? SMT. Yeah. The other thing I want to say before we move SMT, on. SMT Shin Megami Tensei. Tensei. That's what it reminded yeah, me. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, it is. Yes, I, 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 I actually get what like he's saying. Hard. I get it. I it's it no, I get it. That. it I get me. it. All right, I may I I am perfectly aware <laughs> that I may sound like a complete retard. No, shut up, just say it. So I'm just saying. Girl, the other one is the other one is Girl. I wanted to give credit, credit where credit is due. It did much like Carrie, much like Carrie, exactly like Carrie. It forced me, <laughs> raped me into sympathy for what it's yeah. like to be a girl, to uh to be a, a pubescent girl. Like, I'm a feminist crazy i will be i have to I, no no but like i'm 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 a misogynist so i have to be <laughs> i have to be you know cured every now and then of my of my misogyny which is that your penis is so big <laughs> exactly <laughs> I, my misogyny is not based on my penis it's based on the you know on a sense of being wronged and and, and but, no, but and here's justice. the thing you're right that's like, my misogyny this really does give you like an accurate depiction of like how women treat each other and most of the worst people who have ever bullied me on my Twitter experience have been women or men who are behaving like women. And this show and Carrie both speak really accurately to that. And thinking about this show's depiction of gender with those women and the men here, the men are especially fascinatingly characterized, as Jack was suggesting too, because we have uh, maybe a total of like four or five main speaking roles for men here. One of them is the BDSM rapist of the uh, leading bully. We have Manami. to talk about that. And Wonderful gentleman, so... by the way. No, you have to talk about how the second episode of the show is literally some <laughs> guy tying up in perfect BDSM <laughs> language uh, the main character. Yeah, like, it happens in the second episode. ties her up and rapes her. With like, I didn't even know that if you raped her, Japanese, yeah, uh, perfect Japanese, uh, not tying craftsmanship, yeah, he yeah, ties like her it's up. retarded, he takes... it's retarded, I mean, it so retarded. And like, he takes photos of her, and then it's like, you have to smile for me, or I'm gonna make it worse. And so, and she gives <laughs> something smile. that could only happen in 2007 is amazing, it's beautiful, yeah, and actually. Uh, you know, I on my show I've talked about how Japan has mostly avoided the pandemic. Look for it only in books. But I you know what? See Alec tied up. 
<laughs> yeah, same. I'm going to take these photos you know, of Alec. With but... the, like, ropes and just ropes around the penis. They actually won't it'd, show. It'd be really cute. Hot they won't movie. show life on TV anymore. <laughs> <laughs> it'd be really cute if he was tied up and just tortured. <laughs> tortured by fucking Pedro? <laughs> yeah, like... tortured by <laughs> with a with a fucking I mean, taco. I'm, not, I'm not saying anything, but it would be really cute. But... Yeah, it would be cute, and it's gonna go in the my document folder. Just Maybe like we can hire Zane. Wait, wait, made you know what? To get hard. We'll hire Zane against we'll your hire Zane will. Your big veiny penis. Against my yeah, will, exactly. you'll have to hire like big hire a veiny penis. Did you guys see Gremlins post? I actually no. did, yeah. I did see it. I did. It was amazing. Like Gremlin. Gremlin has a sense the of the selfie. Piece of Wait, did he post yeah. hog? He posts hog. He, he posts. He posted ass. hog with a big ass. vein. Also ass. He posted ass. I missed it. Also his ass. Cir- it's in his circles, and there's a lot of posting going on in circles. I just, Let me just warn you. We're I back in fleet. We're back at last Fleet's day in terms of posting I just going on in circles. Think that Alex should be posting. <gasps> oh, he did. Oh, yeah. He posted a lot. I just, he I just lot. think that Alex should be my document posted <laughs> in a similar way with like veiny dick. <laughs> Look at his arms. Look, he's such a slut. I've literally been. He's like, such a slut. I Look was, at his arms. Ever Look since his you made the first comment, arms. he likes it. Ever since you made that first he likes comment, it. I've been subconsciously flexing the entire. I know you like being a whore. I who doesn't? I've been friends with you the whole time. (laughs) Who doesn't like being a whore? Literally, who? Look at your big arms. You like being a whore. (laughs) I love that this is going to be the public episode of the show. (laughs) (laughs) Our like our the prim and proper side. Your big arms. You literally like it, you bitch. The prim and proper sirens. You like it. You like it. <laughs> Who doesn't, Jack? In your Who doesn't like being a fucking slutty? In your mom's whore? lawyer no, office. In my mom's lawyer office, in the in the very corner that she used to sit. You working. like showing off your big arms. I know you. You are doing it for a reason. You're being a. You tease. are. You're. you're a slut. I was. I swear to God. You're a slut. I wasn't doing it. On purpose, You're and I'm, I, I don't even understand what you guys see in my arms because I'm wearing a big flabby Al Jazeera Labyrinth t-shirt. Nothing is showing. Nothing You're is showing. The, people, the audience doesn't know how conservatively I'm dressed in a big fucking flabby Al Jazeera Taliban t-shirt. <laughs> well, slut. that I got for free at a film festival a year ago. <laughs> I love I love me saying well as if I'm gonna change the course of this conversation, but I will say <laughs> that this does end really beautifully on a note that I think is extraordinarily true, which is finally at the end Alex of the show. Is I what? That's the note. That that's the main <laughs> that's the main theme. But Ayumi gets her justice, and she finally, after being disbelieved by everyone, proves Manami to be the villain of the show. And uh, they try to get her to bow. The entire school encircles her and says, Dolgeza, you know, bow for me, basically. And um, she becomes a target of bullying, and at the very end of the show, 
the final shot is this extremely misanthropic scene of the three resistors to bullying standing with her together against it, and the cycle begins again. So I and feel to- when I resist Alex's big penis. <laughs> Yes, go on, continue. <laughs> just go on. What were you saying? Are That's you saying? it. I'm just no, saying, saying like, this you're is... totally right. You're totally right. <laughs> this is what we've been through. Both this, of you are, you know cautious... what? Both of both you are right. equally correct. Both Alex's of you are equally big correct. penis. But, like, it's clear that. Big, uncut penis. The cycle. <laughs> the cycle. The cycle. the cycle of bullying shall continue forevermore. <laughs> I right? just That's... think that the cycle of bullying could be I just ended want to say... by if people would not think about Alex. No, but I'm just saying the thing is, penis. I'm not going to post it in the circles, but I will say that everyone is posting their cocks <laughs> in circles. I just, the bullying. The bullying, will... the bullying should stop. <laughs> we need to respect. Hold on, Jack. We need to respect Zach's bullying artistic. Stop. No, it's <laughs> fine. Big, this is artistic vision. Okay, you're right. You're right. Thick, thick penis. <laughs> but the bullying like, will I think stop. That your big uncut thick penis should not stop the anti-bullying. <laughs> I like nothing the, will stop the bullying. I like it's the all PSA. Over. I like the, how they make like a PSA. <laughs> it's the this is the strongest just, PSA ever created, just right? How you're so big and thick and uncut. <laughs> Here's the ending comment. Here's what I have to say. <laughs> you you can I just, never. I just think it should never <laughs> end. <laughs> you can never defeat. The bullying, just but you can be strong enough to stand so up thick. against it. You can because never, of Alex, big dick. You can never defeat bullying, but you can always be strong enough. It's like stand it, your dick is so big that you against want to it. bullying, but you can't. <laughs>